I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. Hello, magical friends. I'm Ali Michelle. And I'm Raquel Mantra. And welcome to Your Own Magic Podcast. Our intention is to connect you with the most inspiring thought leaders and visionaries and share some of our experiences and wisdom to help you unleash your own magic. Yes, we're so grateful you're spending this present moment with us today. So your willpower gives commands, but at hypnosis, we give hypnotic suggestions. If you have a self-image of yourself as being, oh, not worthy, not good enough, too short, too tall, too dark, too thin, too white, too much whatever, not enough of something, right? And it's really basically a self-image. People will tell you, you look fine. What are you talking about? You're, <laughs> you know, you're great, right? Well, that means underneath you're carrying this self-image, a negative self-image of yourself. Now, I can tell you all day long, you look great, but if I put you to hypnosis, and I give you another image, I say, this is who you really are. You're fine. You see, sense, and feel yourself in this state. And I give you a little movie in your mind saying you walk into that room and when you walk in the room, you light it up. People love you. You know that they care about you. You know that you're good enough. You have prepared for this presentation and you feel the words and the feeling states coming out of you effortlessly. And get some, and you work with that on your own. So you put that new pattern into your subconscious mind and it will follow it. Now let the magic begin. Today's episode is extra special. Raquel and I talked a lot about having hypnotherapists on the podcast to dive into the subconscious mind. And while James Borelli is one of the leading board certified hypnotherapists in the field with a full-time practice in Los Angeles, James covers a wide range of hypnotherapeutic services from medical hypnosis to behavioral reconditioning and motivational hypnosis. And we had to have James on because there's more to his mastery. James has also been practicing Qigong and Tai Chi for 40 years. Therefore, James is not only extremely knowledgeable in the science behind Western medicine, but also Eastern philosophy and holistic healing. His practice embodies a perfect balance between the two, which is what we are extremely into. So we are so grateful and honored to have James on to share his knowledge, wisdom, and magic. Hello, James. I better be able to measure up to that. <laughs> this is you. <laughs> well, where do you want to begin? 
Well, for those of our listeners who don't know, just to give a little more background, my dad, who's also a chiropractor and very into the scientific side of things, um, has been going to see you, and I've witnessed the massive transformation within him, so we're really excited to have you here. So excited. And we're curious, though. What made you decide? I want to just say this. Your father's the best chiropractor that I've ever worked with, and the best one out here in L.A., par none. So let me just plug him. Oh, that's so strange. Maybe we need to have your dad on sometime. (laughs) That's true. Should. You should. He's a very knowledgeable man. Magical chiropractor. Well, but this is your interview, James. So we are curious. What made you decide to become a hypnotherapist? Tell us your story. It's a, okay, it's a kind of a winding story, but um, it actually started with uh, Tai Chi and Qigong, like Tai Chi and teach Qigong training in New York. Uh, basically, and the short story, and I can expand it if you want, um, I started teach, I started studying with a Tai Chi Chuan master, C.K. Chu in New York City. And I immediately was, I was just completely immersed myself in Tai Chi Chuan, uh, which is the martial art. Tai Chi is really a martial art. The original discipline is Tai Chi Chuan. And Master Chu was a martial artist and he trained many fighters, successful tournament uh, winning fighters, heavyweight, middleweight, uh, lightweight fighters. And he had a, his philosophy was the of, of, was based on the internal martial arts, which Tai Chi Chuan is a soft style internal martial art. Employs a lot of mental conditioning, a lot of meditation. Um, the the foundational discipline of Nei Gong, which is what he based his Tai Chi Chuan system on, uh, is about. Uh, training the mind and the body to develop incredibly intense internal energy, which then you would use in the application of the Tai Chi Chuan forms and also in actual application when you're fighting. And he, I got to know him pretty, pretty quickly. uh, And uh, he wanted to write, which had never been written before the book of Nei Gong. Nei Gong is an internal Qi Gong, an internal internal energy developing uh, discipline. And it had never been written before. It had never been put down in English. And from what I understood from him, it was never even really uh, written down in Chinese. And he wanted to do this. And so he offered me free classes, anything I could do, anything I wanted to take at the school uh, at any time to help him write this book because his English wasn't that great. And so I met with him for years. Every Saturday morning, we'd get together and I just picked his brain for about two or three years until he, we put together his satisfactory rendition of the, uh, the book of Nate Gung, which I believe I, I showed you, told you to go check out on his website. Well, I was, I was in theater in those days in New York, this is 1978, and I'd reached a point a few years later where I was just had kind of run out of that interest in that way of life and fortuitous to that he certified me to teach Nikung. I came out to LA and I was pursuing some writing career out here and he uh, certified me to be a teacher of Nikung. So I started opening up classes teaching Nikung and teaching Tai Chi Chuan privately. And I worked with a lot of people who had physical issues, problems, tension in their body, uh, physical limitations from injuries. And I would use a combination of the meditation, a Taoist meditation that I learned from him, and also the the Nikung practice for uh, revitalizing and training and healing the body. And I would get some results, um, pretty good, but not as consistent as I would like. And then um, I used to go to different seminars for different types of psychic healing, energy work. I was interested, you know, I was was in California, so I was interested in all these different modalities that were out here. And I had, I was pretty adept at it. I was pretty good, but none of it really made any sense to me until I met someone uh, who was a hypnotist and I got hypnotized. And it was like, whoa, it was direct access to the, the Chinese call the unconscious, the no mind. 
And I thought, this is what he's been talking about, the no mind. This is the unconscious. It, get, it put me right in touch with it. So I followed that up a little bit, and then I shopped around and found uh, Hypnotis Motivational Institute out here, which is uh, which is an accredited school for hypnotherapy. And uh, I went back to school. I went to night school. And I took to it like, the fi- like a fish to water. And I already had a bunch of students, private students and classes. So I had a ready, I had a practice ready made for me. I, pe- I was working with people anyway <clears throat> with meditation and, and Nikung and Tai Chi practice. And then I started converting them to hypnotherapy clients. And that's when I saw there were many, many, many more applications to change than just working with the body. Um, there with hypnotherapy, you can literally change your belief systems about virtually anything. Uh, I didn't know, I didn't realize at the time though, the body work that I was doing with the Qigong practices were really what we call somatization or conversion disorder, conversion reaction. Uh, the old days we'd call it psychosomatic. You know, the mind is overloaded with anxiety or stress or trauma and then the body takes on the problem for you the body will just pick up the stress lock it in so that you can continue with your life without having a nervous breakdown but the the it's still locked in to that physiological state uh and for instance physicians will send people to me they'll say uh it's all in his head i've done every lab test possible i've done every uh, you know, scan and there's nothing really physiologically wrong with him. It's some kind of a psychological or, or subconscious problem. And that's when through hypnosis, you can get into the behavioral mind, release that emotional charge, that stressor or that trauma, and then the symptom will abate. The symptom will go away. So, and then also with hypnosis, you know, I can do, I found that I could do motivational hypnosis. I mean, just motivate you to do something you've always wanted to do. You've always wanted to write a book. You've got inhibitions about having an audition. If you're an actor, uh, you got to make a public speaking presentation and you're nervous though, you can get into that subconscious mind and create a whole new image system, a whole new belief system that allows you to function optimally. Um, So, and I found there's more and more. Once you can access the unconscious, the subconscious unconscious, and get it congruent, get it on the same page of where you want to go cognitively, uh, it's amazing how many issues will go away, will change. Um, Psychotherapy, uh, you know, which is totally valid, I'm not a trained psychotherapist, totally valid for deep-rooted issues like neurosis and, you know, bipolar disorders uh, or, you know, Diagnosed something that's been diagnosed as an actual psychological malady uh, is great, but a lot of times people will go to a psychotherapist and really they're looking for a behavioral change. And you can spend a lot of time digging up stuff in the past and not really even touch on the actual behavioral problem you're having in the present. And hypnosis allows you to kind of get to that. Um, I'll know if someone comes to me and it's deeper than a behavioral issue, I'll know that it'll because the hypnosis won't work. And then I can refer somebody out to a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist and work in collaboration with them. They do the deep digging. And then with hypnosis, you can do the behavioral closure so that uh, you can get the person past the immediate problem without having cleaned up the baggage of the past that that's making it so difficult to release. So speaking to that subconscious place, that no mind, um, that where people really go during hypnosis, can you expand upon the healing power of the mind and how hypnosis specifically can allow us to further tap into that? Okay, so this is a huge subject, uh, and it's I can give you a theory. I tell you, I don't think anybody really knows. There's a lot of theory. Um, We're curious. We're open. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so I can tell you that it depends on the issue. What are you healing? Okay. So if it's a somatic issue, okay, if it has to do with the physical body, 
like I said, you're holding a problem, you have terrible fear of something and you've got irritable bowel syndrome, right? And you've had this your whole life because way back in school, you were traumatized by something and from that point on, whenever you have to take a test, you've got IBS syndrome or maybe you have it continuously. In that case, the healing power would be in releasing the emotion, okay? Releasing the fear. Other problems, think of the subconscious mind as like the behavioral, where all your behavioral programs are, where your habits are, okay? By getting into that state, you can give the subconscious mind new patterns, new images for behavior that it'll follow to correct the behavior without having to get into an emotional state. I mean, you may just have developed a pattern of swinging a golf club a certain way because that's the way you learned. Well, with hypnosis, you can put an image of swinging the golf club exactly the way your golf instructor is telling you how to do it, imagining it, going into state and seeing it again and again, and at a certain point, the behavior will shift so that when you're on, when you're actually hitting that ball in the out of awake world, you, you use the correct behavioral pattern. Um, I would say, in general, if you look at the the mind, look at the let's let's take a theory, theoretical model for the mind. Okay, um, your conscious mind is you. You're in a rowboat and you're rowing with a specific goal in mind. You know that dock that you want to get to. You're rowing. You're intent. You're focused. You're putting a lot of energy into it, and you're gonna get. You want to get to that dock. Underneath that rowboat, attached to that rowboat on a long cable, right? Deep underwater is this submarine that's 10, 20 times bigger than that rowboat. If you and the rowboat are moving and going in the same direction with the same navigational orientation, sure, it's gonna be fine. But if that submarine from some, for some other reason has another navigational fix, another point that it wants to go to, or maybe it doesn't know where to go, It'll drag you across the ocean. You can roll all you want, and it's going to just drag you all over the place. Now, you can't. The problem is with think of willpower. The willpower is I'm going to roll harder and get. I'm going to put more effort into it. I'm going to focus my mind even more. Right. Well, that may be good for you working the oars, but it's hard to talk to that submarine underwater. So the image that I use for my clients is I say, what we're going to do is I'm going to put you in a scuba diving suit and I'm going to put you underwater and get you down into that submarine and get it going in the same direction that the rowboat is going in. I want to get congruency between your cognitive mind and your subconscious behavioral mind. Wow. So it sounds like instead of forcing our patterns to release or a deep-rooted trauma or whatever it is, hypno hypnosis is really letting go and allowing that space for the healing to happen in the subconscious. Is that correct? Yes. And we would call that suggestion. So your willpower gives commands, but at hypnosis, we give hypnotic suggestions. Suggestion can be a verbal suggestion or it could be an image. If you have a self image of yourself as being, oh, not worthy, not good enough, too short, too short, too tall, too dark, too thin, too light, too much, whatever, not enough of something, right? And it's really basically a self-image. People will tell you, you look fine. What are you talking about? You're, <laughs> you know, you're great, right? Well, that means underneath you're carrying this self-image, a negative self-image of yourself. Now, I can tell you all day long, you look great, but if I put you to hypnosis, and I give you another image, I say, this is who you really are. You're fine. You see, sense, and feel yourself in this state. You act, whatever, let's say you have to go in for a presentation for a job, and I give you a little movie in your mind saying you walk into that room, and when you walk in the room, you light it up. People love you. You know that they care about you. You know that you're good enough. You have prepared for this presentation, and you feel the words and the feeling states coming out of you effortlessly naturally, organically. When you layer that in, and I work with recordings, see, I tape the, uh, I record the suggestion, the, the hypnotic part of the session, which is about 15 to 20 minutes, and get some, and you work with that on your own. 
So you put that new pattern into your subconscious mind and it will follow it. The cognitive mind is brilliant. The subconscious unconscious is not that smart, but it's powerful. It runs the autonomic nervous system. It runs your fight flight switch. It runs your parasympathetic withdrawal, which is your, think of fight flight as stress and parasympathetic as flow, right? You wanna be in flow when you're performing. But if you've got some buried fear or some belief that's gonna light up that fight flight response, you can think anything you want. The subconscious is still gonna act on that feeling state. Well, as, as powerful as that subconscious unconscious connection is, it's not very smart. And it responds very, very powerfully to images. Perfect example. You ever watch TV and you see these uh, pharmaceutical commercials? Yeah. And they mention this new drug, you know, taxaramahamophil, right? And, you, and they go, and you hear the announcer, he says, if you take this drug, you may get cancer, your hair may fall out, you could be yeah. suicidal, you run down the street screaming, waving your arms, <laughs> and you go, why would I take that? You gotta be kidding me, right? If that was a radio commercial, you, you'd turn it off. But look at the pictures. They're running down the beach, they're holding the grandkids, there's a little mm -hmm. puppy dog that comes up because they know that the image will register in that emotional mind. We take in an image at 0.5 seconds, it's instant. You don't see an image and then have a feeling or a thought, you immediately take it in and it hits that feeling state and then you have an associative, associative thought or image. So if you pile enough positive image in that subconscious mind, and don't forget, when you're in hypnosis, you don't have any barriers, your defenses, your rational cognitive barriers are down. Your brain is what your mind is wide open. When you put these powerful positive images into that mind, it'll work on that, it'll operate on that. It'll take that as the new instruction, the new blueprint. And these drug companies, well, anybody's on any anybody advertising anything on TV they know this that's why the images are so important turn off the sound it doesn't matter if you're watching the images you're still gonna get the message that they want it's so fascinating even especially to what you were saying in the beginning with our behavioral patterns because it really proves that what we believe about ourselves isn't true and it is subject to be reprogrammed um, even just hearing about my dad's experience and Will you provide some examples of particular cases that have changed your client's life for the better, whether that be with the imagery you were speaking to or just something that really stuck well, with you? I tell you, I, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to talk about clients, client cases because of anonymity. Do you know what I mean? Mm, uh, yes, of course. We I'm I kind of like really rigid about that, you know, so I wouldn't want to mention something in particular that someone could say, hey, he's talking about me, you, mm. you know what I'm saying? So it's, I won't do that, but I, I'll tell you that um, the range of change, the range of experience, uh, experiential change that I've seen in people has impressed me. It's, it's kind of blown my mind, you know? And not only that, see, anything I do with someone in hypnosis, I've done myself. I've had tons, I, I, I do it all the time, I do it every day. I work with a colleague, will put, make tapes, uh, recordings for myself, you know? Every procedure that I've ever do, done with somebody, I've been through it myself, I know that it works. So I've seen people reverse extreme somatization issues, extreme, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, extreme pain management issues, GERD, um, you mentioned in the, in the questionnaire about uh, surgical procedures, right? How hypnosis could affect you, that, this, the little, yeah, right here, you know? Surgical hypnosis was list, listed in, the, in my uh, services. Look at surgery, uh, physicians have told me this. When you go to have surgery, your cognitive mind says, okay, I'm gonna have surgery. You know what's gonna happen. But unconsciously, you don't. When they knock you out, you're attacked. They put the knife, they start cutting you open. That whole subconscious matrix, the interface between the body and the mind goes into a stress response, okay? Physicians have told me, surgeons that I've worked at, that they could tell the difference between people who had a surgical prep before the surgery and those who didn't. The people who had the surgical prep they actually could see and feel that the viscera of the body was relaxed. 
that the body was yielding to the procedure rather than fighting it in some unconscious, subliminal, deep, deep way. And the the results that I've had with people who have been with undergone surgery has been amazing. You know, uh, situations where the individual or the doctor was afraid that a particular procedure that had to happen, that the body would would resist it. And I put a deep suggestion in which said, no, the body will simply hand it off to the doctor. It will be like he's just trusting the skills of your doctor and it will just hand it off. And uh, I had one patient tell me the doctor literally used the same words in describing what happened that I had put into the tape, that I put into the recording. He said it's just like it handed itself off to me. That is miraculous. Yeah, well, you know, let me tell you, the miracles are between your ears. The magic is between your ears. The magic is in the mind. If I can convince you, if I can make you believe that I can send a wave of energy across the room, right, and affect you, if you believe that, you'll fall down. Because your internal, your belief system taking in that thought will affect your own autonomic nervous system and affect your own physiological response. That's why voodoo works. Voodoo works in the cultures for the people who believe it. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe it, it doesn't work. <laughs> like karma. Well, but we'll look at it this way. Look at the, you know, look at the, there were how many, how many thousands of indigenous American Indian tribes, you know, throughout the Americas when, when the white man, when the Europeans landed, right? Don't you think that every single one of those tribes had medicine men and shamans? They were out there in the woods throwing bones in the air and doing all kinds of things to make the Europeans go away. And what did the Europeans do? They just took a gun and they shot them because they didn't believe it. But yet, in the South Pacific Islands, right, where the Polynesians had complete freedom. I mean, they didn't have any sexual inhibitions like we, the the Europeans were stunned. When the English came there, they were stunned. You know, the Polynesians are running around and they're free with their bodies, right? No problem with it at all. But yet the Europeans, because they believed that sex was sinful, if they would do have sexual activity, they would get sick. They'd have psychosomatic reactions to it if they dared, you know, masturbate or do something that was sexually illicit, you know, they would have a, they would create a somatic illness for themselves. Whereas the Polynesians, they had no restrictions. So the mind has an incredible amount of power on what your body is going to respond to suggestively. That's the essence of propaganda. It's the essence of advertising. And in my field, it's the essence of therapy. Because what we do is take this power, this highly suggestive power of the human mind, but use it therapeutically and with someone's permission. We're on the same page. We're going to we're going to do it together. I tell people I'm pretty scientifically oriented. You know, if you come to my office, I I've got brain charts on the wall. You know, I've got a chart of the brain and the autonomic nervous system because we have the science now, which explains what for the longest time was just considered anecdotal or almost, almost, you know, mythical. You know, now we know exactly how the brain works. And if you're if you're honest about it and if you pick the correct goal with someone and empower them to get back in charge of your brain, of their own brains, their own minds, that's where the healing begins. I don't do the healing. I, I have you get back in control of what you believe and how you approach your own belief system, whether it's with your body or with the, your functioning, whatever kind of behavioral functioning you want you know, to change. You, if you have, I want four things from someone. I want them to have the desire to change, whatever it is. Then positive expectation that it is possible. Then a belief, whatever it is that is going to be changed, you know, you have to believe in that change and then self-demand where you do the work. Desire. You know, you do positive expect desire, positive expectation, belief, and self-demand. Mm. The self-demand is, you know, you got to use the recording every day. And if we're going to have you go in and do a better presentation at work, you got to work on the presentation. You got to do the prep, you know. 
It's not magic. I tell my clients, it's not a magic wand. I'm not going to wave the wand and then you're better. What I'm going to do is wave the wand that's going to get the obstacles out of the way of you working towards what you want. Because you have to put the effort in. The problem with a lot of alternative therapies or, and I I hesitate to use the word new age, but faith-based therapies that are based strictly on the mind, what you think strictly on some kind of a elixir, something you're going to take and change. The problem I have with that is it doesn't work for deep behavioral change, something that you've been practicing and doing for a long time, maybe incorrectly, a maladaptive behavior. (laughs) You can Again, I'll probably get in trouble if I mention ayahuasca. You can take ayahuasca, right, and have an unbelievable revelation, like an x-ray machine of your whole life and see incredible things. But the day-to-day getting back into your life and into your world where you're being triggered, you've patterned habitual responses Mm. to people, places, or things, you have to still work through those. Yeah. That's a matrix of neuronal patterning inside your subconscious mind that's ready to go. And understand the subconscious mind, it's a survival mechanism. It's there because it thinks it's helping you out. It's not there to make you miserable. It's making you miserable because the strategy is obsolete. The strategy doesn't work anymore. But it'll keep doing it and keep doing it until you repattern it. With hypnotherapy, you can structure the repatterning in the direction that you want and then make sure that you have what we call extinction. It's not just a revelation. You feel good. And then when you're away from that, I went to many seminars, you know, where I did, we did healings and psychic, you know, and I, because of my Qigong background, I had a lot of internal energy and I had a lot of mental focus because of the meditation practices that I'd done. And I had some pretty remarkable experiences. But usually about five or six, seven days away from the seminar or the workshop, I was back in my old rut. I didn't know what that was until I studied hypnosis and hypnotherapy and and found out that, well, yes, you have a suggestion and you can have a spontaneous remission, but the suggestions depreciate. The the band-aid goes away, the endorphin rush, the problem will disappear for a little while, but then you're back into the behavioral pattern, which is rooted in through, rooted in years and years of repetition, experientially, emotionally, and intellectually what you think about it. That's where the real work is. Right. Getting in there and knowing what's your strategy to use the access to the subconscious mind to now rewire it, rewire your responses. And that's when you that's when you have permanent change, lasting change. So Does that make sense? I know I'm, I'm yeah, going. Yeah, no, this is we're taking all of this in. This <clears throat> is miraculous, seriously. Also, wow, you can rewire your old deep rooted patterns. Can this happen instantaneously in one session of hypnotherapy? And I actually have a part two to this question. And can people practice hypnotizing themselves at home by any chance? Because you said that you're able to, which is amazing. But if so, well, no, that- I, well, let me correct that. But yeah, correct that. OK, so first of all, again, the first question you're saying again, repeat that. The first question is. In one session of hypnotherapy, are they, can you instantaneously rewire old patterns or does it take multiple sessions? It depends. It depends. Some, I have seen some things instantaneously vanish. Yes. Wow. Some deep rooted patterns. And then. But others don't see. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to predict. First of all, when somebody's coming in for a hypnotherapy appointment, what people don't realize is they're, they're half in state before they get there. They've been told by someone, you got to go to this guy. This is great. It really worked for me. All right. So already they have that positive expectation. They have a desire, right? They got that positive expectation. They got a belief because their best friend or maybe a practitioner or a a doctor told them you got to go to this guy. Right. And they've got the demand. They're meeting the self demand because they make the appointment. They come in, they sit down and they go through my protocol. So certain things, we call these, this the low-hanging fruit, certain things they'll drop right away, like boom, you know? And I can't predict what it's going to be. 
more often than not, someone will come to me and it's they, they come to me with a presenting issue, right? This is the problem that they want to deal with. The primary issue, which is causing it, I know, is out there in the hallway doing push-ups. The primary issue may not show up at all or it may show up in two or three sessions. They'll come in for one thing, take that off the table. Guy comes in, he says, my job is driving me crazy. I feel the pressure. My boss is making me nuts. Every time he opens his mouth, I get in an anxiety state. Okay, I put him under. I give him some suggestions that he's impervious to the boss's voice. He's doing a good job. He knows that he has his value. He doesn't need the boss to validate him. He's safe. Boom, he feels great, okay? Goes to work, no problem. Next week he comes back. You know, I was doing good for a few days, but then it started coming back. Okay, we do a little digging and then we find out his wife is, wants him to move to a new house and wants him to make more money and he's not making enough money and that's causing a stress with the finances and that dribbles down into the work and that's the primary cause. It's not his boss that's giving him the stressor. It's this need to come up with the money for a new mortgage, for a new house, you know, that his wife is putting on him, right? Now, I just made that up. But you know what I mean? Can you understand the difference between the two? Something is right there that I can identify, but I may be hiding it from myself, what's really going on, what the primary issue is, right? So we could take that low-hanging fruit off the table, and then it depends on the client whether they want to go deeper where they really want to deal with it. Now, a lot of people will run. They won't come back. Right. But a lot of times that happens. I was hypnotized about a decade ago in high school. And right. I remember leaving the session. I'm generally a pretty happy person. But I remember leaving the session. Right. I was very angry. Yeah. Something, something was definitely dug up. And I actually called one of my best friends. And I left her the right. nastiest voice message. It right. was just so unlike me, and right. I and I blamed hypnosis for this, so I decided to not go back. We're gonna take a quick break to share our love for our sponsor, Hum Nutrition, who has an amazing giveaway for three of our sponsors. And a side note, I'm honestly super skeptical about any brand that claims to be the cure or the magical elixir to all your issues. But seriously, guys, Hum really does seem to heal almost all. I, I'm gonna be honest right now. I have had terrible digestion and chronic bloating since I got back from Bali a few months ago and it put me in a funk for a while. So when a friend recommended Hum to me, I took, I decided to take the Flatter Me and Gut Instinct tablets and now, well, let's just say I run a little more smoothly. And Hum is offering three of our listeners three months of $150 worth of Hum products for free, which is amazing. All you have to do is rate and review our podcast on iTunes, send a screenshot to info at yourownmagic.life, and tell us that you want to submit for the Hum giveaway. Yes, and don't forget about receiving 20% off Hum Nutrition with our promo code MAGIC. Well, it may be that the hip, you see, was he a hypnotherapist or just a hypnotist? Hypnotherapist. Did he, he was credentialed and this is what he yes. did? And it yes. was a, right, because he, well, the, there's a number of things. One, you could have had what we call an, the hypnotherapist could have been very good, but he might have taken you deeper than you needed to go the first time. And he may have given you suggestions to release feeling states that you really weren't ready to release. Wow. So you came out of it what we call an ab reaction. You came out of it with a negative state that was opened up that you didn't know was there, but started to just blurt out, just came out, okay? Another possibility is that he didn't know what he was doing and inadvertently gave you a response, I mean, gave you a suggestion that broke something loose, right? Interesting. That then you weren't able to control because you were an automatic pilot. You know, you gave, this happens a lot, you know? It's, I, I tell people, be very careful. If you're gonna do hypnotherapy, hypnosis, hypnotherapy, very, very careful. Check out the credentials of the person you're working with. Uh, I'd love to put this out. You said at the beginning that I'm board certified. Let's be very clear. We are licensed. We are not licensed. We're certified. I'm certified in here in California. The certification means my academic credentials, right? I went to an accredited college of hypnotherapy, right? And this college is also associated with the union, the hypnotherapist union, 
which validates the amount of academic training you have and your your clinical residency. And then they certify you with CHT, meaning we certify that this guy has been well trained in an accredited school with accredited uh, clinical hypnotherapy techniques. And he did six months uh, in a in a residency program. A lot of people say that they're hypnotherapists, but they don't really, excuse me, following up on that idea, psychiatrists, psychotherapists, they're licensed. They're licensed by the state. There are, there are rules, regulations, ethical regulations. Uh, you have to pass an exam. There are, your, your procedures are codified. That's why insurance will, they'll take psychotherapy, but they won't take hypnotherapy. A hypnotherapist, you could, the guy could have gotten his degree from, four or five workshops and all right. of a sudden he's a hypnotherapist. I could show you in about two or three weeks how to become an effective hypnotist. It's mm -hmm. not difficult to put people into trance. In this country, we're half in a trance all the time anyway. I Half of what I do is unhypnotizing people, dehypnotizing people, because they're walking around in a trance in a negative state. So you can, you can train somebody how to be a hypnotherapist very quickly, I mean, hypnotist very easily. The question is, I mean, I can get into your mind, but now what? Once I'm in there, what do I do? They need to know how to dig deep. And that's why yeah. it probably isn't, that's why people probably can't take this practice at home themselves. Well, well first of all, you can't, doing, I don't, do, when I say I work with a colleague, right? All right, there's auto hypnosis, self-hypnosis, and hetero-hypnosis. Hetero-hypnosis is when someone puts you under, okay? Auto, self-hypnosis self is when I go into hypnotic state, right? I put myself in hypnosis. But let's take a look at the state. The theta brainwave state, which is hypnosis, if you did an EEG, an electroencephalograph, it's about seven point, roughly 7.5 hertz to 3.5 hertz hertz of frequency per second on the oscilloscope, right? Let me give you the bigger picture. Right now, we are in beta brainwave. Beta brainwave, if you had an EEG on your, on your head with electrodes, you'd see a, a pattern from 30 to 15 hertz, a rapid cycle of hertz on the oscilloscope. If we did a meditation, you drop down, or let's say a yoga class, right? You drop down to alpha brainwave, brainwave, which is roughly about 15 hertz to 7.5 hertz. It's a slower wave and you're a more relaxed state, right? At low alpha, you convert into theta brainwave, which is 7.5 to 3.5 hertz. That is hypnosis. And then below that, 3.5 hertz below, that's delta brainwave. That's when you're in deep nocturnal sleep, actual sleep. But focusing on the hypnotic state, on the theta brainwave, so 7.5 to 3.5 hertz, right? There are roughly 117 different levels in that theta brainwave that they've measured different states. But for the purpose of clarification, we use three very general levels. First level is what we call hypnoidal waking trance. Second level beneath that is catalepsy. And then at the bottom, low theta is somnambulism, which is just on the borderline of delta sleep, all right, delta nocturnal sleep. You can go into self-suggestion and bring yourself into a waking hypnoidal trance. It's about as deep as when you're watching a really good TV program. You ever watch a program, somebody calls your name and you go, oh, did you call me? Because you saw the program. Wait, I'm here. <laughs> okay. I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that is, that's your waking state. It's called hypnoidal trance state, okay? You can self-suggest self yourself into hypnoidal trance, okay? But very difficult to get yourself down into catalepsy. Catalepsy is when you hear what's being said to you, but it's like you're, you're not in your body. You don't even feel your body. You're all mind. You're totally relaxed, right? That's like when you wake up in the morning, when you come out of sleep, out of nocturnal sleep. You know, sometimes you lay in bed there and you're like, well, I'm awake, but where's my body? I'm like floating around. That's called a hypnopompic state. You're coming out of delta into this low um, theta brainwave, right? Very difficult for you to put yourself into that state and then come out of it. And very difficult to go to somnambulism, which is when you're out. Somnambulism, you, you would say the person is asleep. You think you're asleep. You don't remember what was said to you. But when I say one, two, three, four, five, eyes open wide awake, you wake up. You come up. If you were actually in nocturnal sleep, I could count all day and you're not going to come up. I'd have to shake your foot. 
Now, the best suggestive state is that cataleptic somnambulist state, see? So you can get some results doing self-suggestion and auto-hypnosis, right? And if it's repetitive and if you know what you're doing, you can get some results. But the best results is hetero-hypnosis when somebody does it to you because then they can take you down. You agree on the suggestions and what, what you want put in that subconscious mind, but then they count you up. And you know that it goes into that very deep state. Another problem with self-hypnosis is you may inadvertently suggest something negative to yourself. You're having a bad day. You go, okay, let me go do some self-hypnosis. You lay down, you put yourself in state. And then just as you're going in, you remember that person, that guy or that woman that's making you crazy at work. And you go, oh, I don't like that person. They don't like me. And then you still go into the state and you take the suggestion with you. Mm. And then you could come out of it, you know feeling worse than when you went in and not even know it. The suggestion can linger there for the rest of the day. <clears throat> one, of the problems that I, one of the problems that I have, I work with people, you know, a lot of people meditate, right? And I'll say meditation is great, but learn how to count yourself up. A lot of times people go into meditation and they're actually going into theta brainwave and they don't know it. They're very suggestible. You go into a very relaxed state, and it's great if you're on the ashram. It's great if you're on a retreat because you're walking around with gentle people, lovely day, have a little lunch, right? You go into a deep alpha state, you come out of it and you get into the world, get on that freeway, get out there, you know, I mean, in a supermarket with people in struggling, you can, your, your brain could be wide open and you don't know it. So you're and you're taking in a lot of negative suggestion. You're facilitating a state for people to really drop in in a safe way and reprogram right. it in a positive way instead of unconsciously possibly programming it in a negative way with our own belief system. And even hearing this, um, we live in a very science-oriented culture in the West, but I'm noticing more and more people are becoming very interested in that Eastern philosophy. So right. how do you think modern medicine can incorporate more of the ancient wisdom and healing practices from the East? And what do you find the balance to be between the two? The biggest contribution that is coming from the East is this finally, and it's happening, finally the West re re realizing the power of the mind-body connection, that there's a direct effect. Suggestive language, you know the placebo effect? Of course. <laughs> You know what the nocebo effect is? The nocebo? Nocebo. Oh, please elaborate. Nocebo. You, you, your doctor gives you, you know, some, you, you've got a serious illness, right? The doctor just gives you some kind of medication. You have some labs taken, all right? You're feeling pretty good. Wow, this thing works. I think this works, right? Or maybe you go and you do something, you know, you take some vitamins, you know, and you're feeling better, right? You come in. You go to the doctor's office, he's got the white coat, he's got all the books around him, he's got the authority. <clears throat> he sits down, you talk to him and he says, how you doing? You go, gee, I'm feeling great, doc. Uh, this is, that's happening, that's happening. He looks at your labs and he goes, yeah, but your labs look like hell. I mean, I don't know what you're doing, but <laughs> hey, this is, you know, you know. And then before you know it, by the end of the thing, you're suicidal, you feel miserable because you took in his negative suggestion. So what they're training, because one, one of my former teachers, he's at UCLA, he's at the medical dental school, and what he says is when the client comes in and the, the patient comes in saying they're doing great, you got to look at it like, well, yeah, let's build on that now. Good. But, you know, we could do better with these labs rather than your labs look like hell. The power of the mind, right? The power. And that affects that affects your that affects that the fight-flight mechanism, that sympathetic dominant stressor, Okay. Physicians will tell you they believe now that 75% of illness starts with stress. All kinds of illness, it starts with a stress response. And they're finally understanding that getting into what we would call flow, the flow state, you know, go with nature, go with the flow, which is what the East is about, Tai Chi, any number of disciplines, right? About getting in a flow state, in the mind-body state. They're now finally recognizing the value of that to because they can they know that it literally reduces the fight flight response the sympathetic dominant response in the autonomic nervous system i do pain management the pain management works because it's not because i make the pain go away if i can relax the patient 
to a point where they shift from that fight flight response to the flow to parasympathetic withdrawal where they're relaxed the immune system functions better. The stress response goes down and the pain receptors go down and you could take 50 to 75% of the discomfort away just by amping down the nerves. That alone. That is true healing. You're a true healer and a true master. And we also, we are running out of time, but we do not want you to escape without talking about some of your Qi Gong experiences, because that is absolutely incredible that you have mastered that. Am I right? I don't use the word master, master. with it. Okay. If, you've met a, if, you, if you ever met a real master, you wouldn't call me a master. Well, well how about talking about Qi Gong expert. masters? I'm have an you, expert. You're an expert. an expert. You're a Qigong expert. Well, what hey. are some out of these world experiences that you have seen yourself or other Qigong experts um, experience? For example... Qigong... Go ahead. What? Oh, for example, we heard Qigong masters, well, experts, um, are able to move tangible objects or even people without touching them. Yeah, I don't... I've never seen it. I don't believe it. And, and Master mm-hmm. Chu didn't believe it and never saw it either. And he was a true master. Okay. Let's look at the, this, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to say it out loud, but I don't believe it. I've never seen it, and I've, I've, I've traveled. I've seen a lot of – see, let's just look at Qigong as having three huge fields. There's martial art Qigong, there is medical Qigong, and then there's a more esoteric spiritual Qigong, all right? I Nikong, Qigong, Tai Chi Chuan – is in the martial arts category. Now, I've seen guys, and I know, I've seen incredible strengths, uh, feats of strength and power, you know, just incredible power, you know, striking, kicking, taking punches, blocks, or endurance. I've seen that. I've felt that. That is real. But it's more of a, if that's based on the nuts and bolts. This would take me an hour to explain to you, but it's based on a nuts and bolts. It actually affects the physiology of the body. It increases the collagen density of the bones and the connective tissue, and they've done studies on it. It's called the piezoelectric field. is magnified in the body, and it increases the, the density of the osteoblasts, which causes the bones to be more dense. That's real. Medical Qigong is very real, too. There are other disciplines that help you regulate your immune system, and, you know, many, many, many physiological responses. The esoteric spiritual Qigong, this is where you will hear stories of all kinds of things, all right? Um, all kinds of phenomenon about moving objects, uh, lighting things on fire, etc. I, I've never seen it. I've been around the block quite a few. I haven't been to China. I haven't been to Asia, so I can't say that I've covered that, which is where all of these things happen. I've never seen anybody in the United States do anything. I mean, and I tell you, if somebody could do it here, he'd be, there'd be people all over him, especially the martial artists. They'd be flocking to him, you know, because if I could make a guy fall down across the ring, I mean, that would everybody be... Everybody would be doing that. Everybody would be doing it. It would know? be all over Instagram. <laughs> a lot of this stuff, understand, is is hypnotic suggestion. You know, you can you can convince people that things are happening that are not really happening, in a one-on-one situation, uh, there's negative hallucination and positive hallucination. You know, positive hallucination, you see something <clears throat> that's not really there. And negative hallucination, you don't see something that actually is there, you know. I don't, I can't say for sure that these phenomena don't exist, but I've never seen it. And my teacher, who I respected, and I thought he was the best, uh, always was highly skeptical, highly skeptical of those claims. So then what are the benefits of Qigong if people, because people, I guess, are attracted to it lately. They think that it has this esoteric value, but it does. It what, but what, but it depends on what, what is, is it medical Qigong? Is it, is it martial art Qigong? Right. Is it, is it, is it that esoteric spiritual Qigong? Like a lot of the Taoists, later day Taoists, they were into alchemy and all types. They were into, you know, there are some sects, these Taoist sects that will do mind, uh, initiations i know somebody was involved in that once and i found i thought it was a cult frankly i didn't i didn't believe it so it all depends on what type of qigong they're doing and for what purpose the medical qigong like i said i I, again white cloud white crane i don't know 
several there are several medical qigongs i know there's a there's a man out here um there's a uh, acupuncturist out here uh his name escapes me right now and he's a he's a acupuncturist korean and he was a he's a martial artist and he does an excellent medical qigong with his uh with his patients um martial art qigong i would say nigong for sure the benefits with that incredible incredible endurance and strength and energy uh vital energy just um, I've worked with people recovering from illnesses and surgeries and cancer in the old days when I was teaching that uh, there were like remarkable recovery from that. If you take the Chu, in fact, this was a secret discipline that in his clan, he had, they kept it for years. And then in New York, they kept it secret for years. In New York, around about the time that AIDS, this is in the early 80s, AIDS just was rampant in the city. He decided to come forth with it to help people. That's why he wanted to write the book. He said, let's take this powerful martial art Qigong and let's use it to help people heal their bodies. You know, And that's why that was the original intent behind writing the book of Nikong. That's amazing. Well, then how can one use Qigong to heal their bodies and unblock energies that are not serving them? Well, it depends on the teacher. Above all, you gotta be with somebody who knows what they're doing. That's the main thing. And it depends on the system. That's a good you thing have to here. Target. You need to go to somebody that knows what they're doing. <laughs> You've got to go to somebody who really has credentials and not somebody who just did a couple of workshops, you know, right. or somebody who took a chip to train and they, they, they let, they, you know what I mean, and hung around for a couple of months and then they come back with a whole seminar and DVDs and all of, you know, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, unfortunately it's a business, you know. Chu said in the early, in, I, I started with Master Chu in 1978. And he said, you know, at that time, nobody even knew what Tai Chi Chuan was. I didn't know what it was. I never even heard of it. I was doing karate and Shotokan and Taekwondo. And uh, when I found him, it was like <clears throat> a revelation. And at that time, to explain Tai Chi, people said, what is that? Now, it's everywhere, you know. And it's not really Tai Chi Chuan. It's Tai Chi. You know, it's been kind of watered down. In the actual Tai Chi form, every move is a block or a kick or a strike or a block or it's an offense or defensive mood. And you would know exactly what each move was about. And the idea was you circulate enough energy to get the best effect when you're countering someone or escaping someone. Now there are people who teach the form and they don't even know what the individual moves are. And They'll say, you know, single whip, but they don't know what the single whip is, what, it, what, what it's for. It becomes kind of like a, I don't know, like a dance rather than, you know, and I, I'm not devaluing it. For some people, it's still very good, but I'm kind of like hardcore, you know. I was, I was trained by an actual martial art master, and so I'm a little bit um, elitist about that, so... <laughs> Yeah. I'm probably going to, you'll get some mail from this, you know, who is this guy? What is the, <laughs> I know about Tai Chi. No, it's so important to cultivate that healthy level of discernment since everything is just at our fingertips nowadays. And I'm curious coming from Question all your teachers. You know what I say this? I would say this. Question your teacher. Anybody's going to teach you something, question the teacher. What does he really know? What is his lineage? He's teaching you Tai Chi. Does he know what the difference between Tai Chi and Tai Chi Chuan? Has he ever been to a tournament? It doesn't what mean is that the he difference, by the way? Because our listeners are probably curious. What is the difference okay, tai between chi, tai, chi? tai Chi? We call it the yin-yang. Tai Chi means the grand pole. Tai Chi is the yin and the yang. Tai Chi is a model, an energetic model for reality that the Taoists have. That reality, there is Wu Chi, which is, this is the way you explained to me my Master Chi. Wu Chi is this like indivisible Taoist, morphous, form where everything comes into the world and it goes into tai chi it becomes a duality night and day up and down left right you know dark light and this energy this this duality of energy in the in in tai chi chuan chuan means fist so it translates as grand ultimate fist in other words you use the energy dynamic that is the world that the universal energy to defend yourself what that means is in the heart style it's somebody attacks you, you use with a yang force, you use yang on the force, yang, yang. You have two, two bulls colliding horns together, right? Tai Chi says 
When the bull comes at you with the yang, you are like the matador. You give him the cape. You yield. You become yin. And at the extremity of his yin, then you become yang. You work with the energy. If the guy comes at you, he wants you, you become water. At that point, when he doesn't want you, you're stone. You move between water and stone, yielding and attacking. You're flowing with this energy and you're using that to defend yourself rather than force on force. So the chuan becomes the ultimate chuan because it's very effective. The fist, tai chi chuan, grand, Chu explained it, grand ultimate fist. You use this energy to defend yourself. The beauty of this, because you rely on that energy coming at you, it's like similar to Aikido, right? Master Chu would always say this, he who hits first loses. Once somebody comes at you and commits his yang energy towards you, he's lost because there's going to be a limit to that yang. And all you have to do is follow that limit to the very end. And at that point, you're yin, you're yin. At that point, then you become yang and you overthrow him. And that allows a, sh a little man to, to defend himself against a big man because you're not going to go yang on yang. Your yang is not equal to his, but you let him expend his. And at that very moment when he's yin and he's very weak, then your yang will prevail. And the Tai Chi form is this balanced interplay between the yin and yang, between yielding and attacking, yielding and attacking, so that it allows you to stay in a state of flexibility. Now, the health bonus with that is, I mean, I've been doing this for 40 years. I've never been in a fight. I don't use it to fight. Mm -hmm. But what it does is it revitalizes the meridians of the body. It's like doing self-administered acupuncture every day. You get this incredible surge of energy because you're balancing out your own internal energy using the external forms coupled with your breath and coupled with a mental focus that keeps you in a state of what we call the eye of the hurricane. <clears throat> There's chaos around you, but you're the, you're the eye of the hurricane in the middle. And see, that eye of the hurricane, I found, that's the hypnotic state. That's the no mind. Wow. It all circles back. I think that I want to add Tai Chi into my morning routine. Yes. And I <laughs> Tai Chi Chan. Do it and get a good teacher, though. See, yes. ask, get, question his credentials. Question where he taught, where, I mean, where he was, where he was taught, who taught him. Right. That, you yeah. want to track back on some authenticity, go to the CK Chu Tai Chi site, right? And pick up a couple of his books. I would say this. I'm going to plug Master Chu's book. He's got a book written. It's called Why Tai Chi. Why Tai Chi. That's we'll put that right in here. the show notes. Why Tai Chi. Why Tai Chi. You want to find out everything and more that I just said about Tai Chi. This is it right here. I would say anybody who wants to study Tai Chi, start with this book first. And that this is a give good teacher. Books are some of the best teachers. So it is. And this man, this is his life's work, right? And I don't know. Can you see my, you can see me, right? In this book, right, there's all of these pictures of him fighting. It, it's just, it's, there's a whole history, do you know what I mean, of the school, of 40 years of that school, you know, in New York, right? With his, with his fighters, with the, with the traditional masters, with him doing the form. That's wonderful. This is a podcast, though, so no one will be able to see it. But <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, <laughs> they can look it up online. but anyway, Wai Tai Chi by Master C.K. Chu. Wai Tai Chi. Wai that Tai Chi. Anybody, okay. Yeah, Wai Tai Chi is the title of the book. That'll put anybody on track. So if you were to give our audience one health and wellness tip to improve their mind, body, and soul, drawing on all of your different experiences and healing modalities, what would it be? Cultivate critical thinking and understand the fine line between critical thinking and negative thinking. That is wonderful. Cultivate critical thinking? Yeah, but cultivate, but but understand the fine line between critical thinking and negative thinking. How would you define that difference? Negative thinking says this isn't going to work. Critical thinking says, how does it work? Ooh, I'm going to start applying oh, really? that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Somebody says you try this. This is really great. Oh, really? Well, is that anecdotal, or do you have data? I mean, it does work. How does that actually work? You feel that it works, do you know what I mean? Rather than, oh, really, I don't believe that. That doesn't work. That's negative thinking. Ah, baloney. Bull. That's negative thinking. Critical thinking says, how? Tell me more. 
I love that. you And you do question everything, which is so great. For example, credentials, make sure you know. Yeah. That is great. Um, and we do have one final question for you that we ask all of our guests. Yes. And how would <clears throat> you... Way, can, I say this? can I say oh, this? I, I Skype. I do Skype sessions, right? So if anybody's interested in talking to me about Skyping, you can go to my website, hypnosisla.net. Oh, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well, because we want to make sure that people know where to find you. Yeah, that's hypnosisla.net. And uh, all my content information is there, my uh, my toll-free number. Uh, I may not get back to you right away, because fortunately, I'm kind of booked. But I'd love to talk to people about this, and I'll do like a consultation on the phone. Do you know what I mean? A short, you know, talk. But Skype. Skype is very yeah, powerful. Yeah, because we have listeners from all over the world. So that is wonderful to know. And that is also a good sign that you're booked. Because you're clearly, you are yeah. a hypnotherapist, but in our eyes, you're also a magician. In a sense. So <laughs> how would you advise our listeners to create their own magic? Understand that the magic is between your two ears. I love that. It's between the two, your two ears. That's where your magic is. Thank you so much, James. You're very welcome. I had a ball. We did too. So many golden nuggets to take away the power and magic of the subconscious mind and hypnotherapy. Thank you. You're very welcome. We are so grateful you tuned into this podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and rate us on iTunes. Yes. And those of you who leave a rating and review, we want to share our gratitude by sending you a special gift. Just email info at yourownmagic.life and we will send you an exclusive meditation guided by the both of us. And make sure to say hi to us on Instagram. I'm at Allie Michelle L. Don't forget the random L at the end. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Raquel Mon. Thank you and have a magical day.